channel is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling in front that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the niggas in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat. Fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, man. Alright. You know how niggas be biting and shit. Niggas be biting mad styles and shit from niggas, man. Yeah. So I be hating, man. I can't stand a fucking biting ass nigga. Wanna use your lines all ahead of time before you even get a chance to shine on your own shit. So you know what I'm saying? Niggas be killing me though, son, because you know, they be, they be coming with your words and shit. They hear you say one word, then here they come with the word, trying to flip it and bounce it and shit on some yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Not sounding right, first of all, and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Boom. But then you got niggas, son, on the rail. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, 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 niggas is biting off your album cover and shit. Yeah. Boom, bad enough, they biting lines like niggas killed me yeah. when they came with some knock. Niggas bit off a nine shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, niggas, 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 niggas caught his little album cover, boom, then I did a nine to that shit. Yeah. I'm like, damn, what the fuck, man? It's like yeah. these happy-go-lucky niggas, man, when they get on, man. They want to pop a little, a little champagne. Well, like I said. You know what I'm saying? Every few, every time you see him, you know what I'm saying? Like, front on the front for me, man. You Yo, gonna man. play that role, man. Play it. It's though. like this, man. Niggas, man. Niggas know not to fuck around with this shit, though. I don't give a fuck how nasty nah, niggas son. Let me tell these niggas something, God. I don't want niggas sound like me. On no album, you know what I'm saying? For real, cause I'm gonna approach a nigga, man. For real, man. I don't want nobody sound like me, man. For real, son. You know, oh, bad enough, nigga. I don't want nobody sound like nobody for my clan, man. Keep it real. Get your own shit, man, and be original. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. all, man. You, and, and you man. going, you gonna come out your own way, whatever how you oh, gonna that. take it, man. Fuck it. about this we gonna talk man we gonna talk a little bit of shit man so we going straight into it we gonna call this shit biting man because uh, 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 something has been unearthed that i was concerned about but however here's the thing though 
That was a rapper in the early 90s called Notorious B1. Then in 1994, an artist called the Notorious B.I.G. debuted with his single called Juicy. In 1993, however, Notorious B1 from Mississippi dropped a song called Big Daddy, which sampled M. Tume Juicy. However, when um, Juicy came out in 1994, it had the same exact sample. Now, the guy Notorious B1 was going to come out. This is what the guy said in 2012. In 1993, I was signed to a small record label called Dragon Records in Gulfport, Mississippi. I had a song that I wrote to M. Tume called Juicy Fruit. I wrote the actual song to the actual record. It was called Big Daddy. Big Daddy was the lead single of the Mississippi Doughboys album that was released in September of 1993. It was released on the same day as Snoop Dogg's first album, Doggy Style. The Doughboys album was made by two Gulfport rappers named Tilla D, Till I Die, my bad, Till I Die, and myself, the notorious big one. Damn. Yeah, I had the name and song first. I know it might be hard to believe that it is 100% the truth. We was on the radio first and in the stores first. We sent packages to all the major labels shopping for distribution. Just imagine my surprise when people started calling me saying that they've just seen my video. We was trying to get the truth out back then, but after Big's death, I decided to leave it alone out of respect. I'm not fat anymore, and a lot has changed, but before I leave this bitch, I want everybody to know the truth. I was the original Notorious Big One. Now, here's the thing, though. Coming back to this situation, right? This song was not Biggie's idea. It all falls on one man, and that man is Sean Puffy Combs. It was his idea. He bought the beat to Biggie. Biggie didn't want to do Juicy. So Biggie didn't steal the concept from Notorious B1. It was Puffy that changed his name from Biggie Smalls to the Notorious B.I.G. Biggie was Biggie. That was Puff changing his name to the Notorious B.I.G. For commercial purposes. Not knowing that he was stealing somebody else's name in the process. This was all Puff. This is not Biggie. Biggie just recorded the song. He didn't steal the concept of my man shit, but they had the same idea, the same beat. And this is not the first time that this has happened. Now, when I was growing up, like in the 90s, biting was forbidden. That was something like a forbidden fruit and rap because when you rapped, you had to have an original style. You had to be different. In the 90s, this is what I was talking about on previous shows. Like, when I was coming up, everybody was different. The radio sounded different. We would have, like, R&B and stuff. And then it would be different rappers 
first you will hear Outkast, then you will hear Bone Thugs, then you hear Wu-Tang Clan, then you hear Biggie, you hear Tupac, you hear Snoop Dogg. All of these guys sounded different. Even as far back as Rakim, KRS-One. Like after 86, that's when hip hop got better and everybody started developing their own individual styles. Slick Rick, you know what I'm saying? All these niggas that I named sound different. If I say Little Baby, Little Dirk, Drake, Gunna, all these motherfuckers sound the same. Future. All these dudes sound the exact same. They're all doing the same style. This is why I kind of like don't view them on the same level as the previous rappers that I named. Because the thing that made hip hop stand out so much is everybody had their own style and their own sound. Now, there were a few people that ran together that we knew ran together that sounded similar, which is why the alliance would form. But then there's just like outright stealing. And what Puffy did, this nigga stole this man's whole name and gave it to somebody and stole somebody's whole beat because he, the guy said he sent it out to all the labels to find distribution for the song and the album. So obviously that tape landed on Puffy's desk. He heard it and he gave it to Big. That's what happened. Now I'm gonna show, so what draws the line between paying homage and biting? Well, what Drake did on um, for free, that's paying homage. What Drake did on uh, Who Do You Love, that was completely stealing. That was completely biting. What, um, even though Ludacris did use Big Sean's style, and Big Sean called out Luda for it, and Luda completely bit his head off, that's stealing. When Jay-Z be using Biggie's rhymes, that's not stealing. That's paying homage. What Snoop Dogg did on New York, New York, he was paying homage to New York by using Melly Mel's rhymes. When Tupac did, I won't deny it, I'm a straight rider, you don't wanna fuck with me. He was paying homage to Snoop. That's not stealing because obviously the creator of that flow was there and Snoop and Daz Daz Dillinger. Biting is when Drake stole Drums Cha Cha and made it Hotline Bling. That wasn't paying homage. When Drake stole XXX Tentacion's flow on KMT, listen to Look at Me in KMT and tell me that that doesn't sound the same to you. I'm just keeping it a buck with y'all. It's a difference between biting and paying homage. Major difference. In the beginning, I played an excerpt of Ghostface saying that Biggie stole the cover for his album from Nas. Now, I don't know if I can confirm that. That's a hard one because they both came out the same year. And I think Illmatic came out before uh, Ready to Die did. So it could be a possibility that Biggie also stole that idea as well. Tupac had been accusing Biggie of stealing his style. 
But honestly, bro, you gave him the blueprint, though. You told Biggie, don't make songs for the niggas, make songs for the bitches. And then you started, he started doing Big Papa. That was you influencing him. He Biggie didn't steal your style, bro. But there were certain things that Biggie did steal from Pop. The baby, baby. Tupac used that first. Pop was using the baby, baby and all that other shit, right? Then, there was also the rumor that Tupac had an album called Thug Style that was supposed to be released in 1993. But Doggy Style came out and Snoop in the Dog Pound was using the same style that Pop was using on Thug Style. And allegedly, Daz and Corrupt got a copy of Thug Style and listened to it and studied it. And then on Doggy Style, they started interpolating those Bay Area slang styles that Pop was using on that album. And some of those records that was on Thug Style, you can hear on Are You Still Down, the album. Because that was supposed to be thug style. It's one it's one thing to use a rhyme, use a line and, and, and pay homage, but it's another to just like outright steal the verse and outright steal the sound of something. Look at Big Sean. Like Big Sean came into the game in the late 2000s. You know what I'm saying? Dropping finally famous mixtapes using the stop and go flow and the super duper flow. Ludacris was saying on that song like other people have used that style before. Now, I can't confirm that because Big Sean was the first person I heard using the style. So the first one to the style and the first one to coin the style is the originator of it, unfortunately, even if people use that shit before but if you look at big sean right that's a perfect example that's this is why i put sean on a pedestal because he did create a style that people used in hip-hop if you listen to we are young money that sound like that all of them niggas was using sean's style throughout the album even drake publicly admitted that he got the style from big sean you can look this up yourself on Google. Let me see if I can pull up that quote right now. Here's the thing though. He did admit to using Big Sean style. Big Sean said it himself. Drake is my homie. He gave me a lot of credit because I came up with a rhyme scheme a lot of people thought he came up with. I called it the super duper flow. But he kind of made it more popular on the song called Forever. 
that shit was crazy. Like, if you listen to We Are Young Money, Nikki's using it, Lil Wayne's using it, Gutta Gutta's using it, Jay Mills is using it, Tiger's using it. Shit, We Are Young Money is Big Sean's debut album. That nigga dropped an album in 2009, and then his and then his his second album was finally famous, the album and shit. So that's what I mean by biting. You know what I'm saying? Like you taking a whole nigga style and using it for per, for your personal use. Cause he was using the style and didn't tell Big Sean about it. But they had a conversation and smoothed everything out before it got crazy. So that's how you draw the line between biting and plant, paying homage. That's crazy finding out that Puffy stole that dude's concept like that and didn't give that man a dime. And he and he's lucky he didn't uh make it a legal issue. Now let's uh move on. Um Rashid Wallace. Um Rashid Wallace is not going to join Darvin Ham's coaching staff like we thought he was because Darvin Ham had tapped she to be on his coaching staff. Now he hasn't came out and said why he didn't take the job, but I have an idea on why. Because Rashid knows he's going to have to kill one of these niggas for talking to him crazy. People on the Lakers have egos. From Russ to Bron to even AD. These players are making hundreds of millions of dollars. Some of them making hundreds of millions of dollars to do absolutely nothing. And you're not making as much as them. So they're going to look down on you easily because of that. You don't make enough money, nigga. You ain't got money, nigga. You ain't got no cash, nigga. You can't talk to me no kind of way, nigga. Rashid is a hothead. He, You know he was going to get texts from the bench. And you know that he was going to yoke one of these niggas up at practice. It was only going to be a matter of time. So it was smart that Rasheed Wallace did not take that job. As I think this season will be better for the Lakers, but it's still going to end up being a train wreck eventually. It may not start out like that, but it's definitely going to possibly finish like that, in my opinion. Now, Boston has jumped into the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, and I don't know why. How the fuck you ripped the crown off a nigga head and then pick it up and put it back on him and ask him to join your team. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you break that team up after you had a finals run? Now, I understand wanting to get better. You already got better. You've had one of the better free agents agencies this offseason. You bought in Malcolm Brogdon. Huge move. You drafted J.D. Davidson. You signed Danilo Gallinari. Y'all already better than you were last year. Why would you want to trade Jalen Brown, who's 24 years old, for a 35-year-old player who has not played a full season in four years? KD is getting old. He can still play basketball. No one's questioning that. I'm saying he getting up there. He aging. When your ass don't play no full season and you're up in your mid-30s, that 
means you're declining. Like it or not, you can be declining and still play well. Look at LeBron James. He's playing quite well, even though his body is declining because he hasn't played a full season in two years. But Kevin Durant has torn his Achilles, fucked his knee up. He done tow that knee all the way to fuck up, man. And this is what you want over a 24-year-old basketball player who's only getting better. Why would you break up Brown and Tatum? That would be dumb. All Brown and Tatum had to do was pass and look at y'all. Y'all got to the finals. All they had to do was get those other guys involved. And they were some passing motherfuckers in the playoffs. Now you got a point guard and Malcolm Brogdon who can set the offense for y'all. And Derek White can go back to playing the two. And Brown heard this and he was pissed. Now the deal that was offered was um, Jalen Brown, Derek White, and three first round picks in which Brooklyn declined. Honestly, bro, that's too, even that is too much for Kevin Durant. And the Nets want Marcus Smart in the deal. And I heard about this deal a couple of weeks ago. I just couldn't believe it. Like, why would you trade Jalen Brown? That is dumb. That's not a good idea. Don't fuck your chemistry up. Don't do it. Brooklyn is serious about trading KD. Like, they really want to trade him. Because I guess Kevin Durant is allegedly fed up and possibly could hold out and sit out the season until he's traded. At least that's what I'm hearing from the streets. That, that, that's why I say allegedly a lot. I say allegedly because it's a rumor that isn't confirmed. When I say allegedly, that's what I mean. But this Nets, Katie and Brown, Jalen Brown shit is true. It's confirmed. But the Nets are still trying to look for trades for Kevin Durant. And Kyrie wants to stay in Brooklyn. He has said this time and time again. Now, other teams have joined the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat in Donovan Mitchell's pursuit. The Wizards have joined. The Raptors have joined. The Hornets have joined. The Kings have joined. And the Hawks have joined. Wow. If Atlanta gets Donovan Mitchell, oh my God. This could be a championship team right here. But here's the problem though. What does Atlanta have to give up for him? That's what I'd be scared of because you know Danny Ainge is greedy. He probably gonna want fucking Collins, Capella, and eight first round picks for this nigga. Something ignorant like that. I don't think Atlanta's going to get him, but if they do, I'd be shocked. Sacramento, they got the pieces to get him. The Raptors, I don't know how Donovan Mitchell would get on the Raptors. Toronto's going to have to mortgage their whole future. Because outside of Scotty Barnes, like, there isn't an interesting player that would draw... Unless 
Unless y'all The Raptors just give them A shit ton of players Washington Wizards I mean yeah why not Beal and Mitchell would be dope To watch But again what are you giving up for them I don't see the Wizards Making a deal But one team that I feel like I think the only two teams that this could the only three teams that this could help is Miami, New York, and, and Charlotte. But my thing on Miami is I don't think they got enough to give up. I just don't think they have enough. New York has enough. They have all the first round picks in the world. They got eight first round picks. Despite New York declining that crazy offer I talked about last show. Now, one team that I do definitely believe should shoot their shot at Donovan Mitchell is the Charlotte Hornets. Here's why. What do you got to lose, ladies and gentlemen? What does Charlotte have to lose? They have not made the playoffs in almost two decades. What was it? 07, 08, maybe? The last time they made it was uh, Gerald Wallace and all them niggas. And they got swept. When they were the Bobcats. That was the last time they made the playoffs, my nigga. Charlotte should shoot their shot at Donovan Mitchell. They got pieces to trade. They got Kelly Oubre, who's a good player. James Booknight, who's young, who never really got a shot to play. Who can instantly help Utah. Uh, That Richards kid, the center. P.J. Washington. They can uh, get Miles Bridges all the way the fuck out of here. And and make him sign a qualifying offer and a sign-in trade to Utah. Shit, ship that nigga to Utah, nigga. (laughs) Terry Rozier. Still got Gordon Hayward's contract. Gordon Hayward, you could bring Gordon Hayward back to uh, Utah. That would be dope. That would be a great reuniting, you know what I'm saying? And it feels so hood. Uh, Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley's another uh, quality veteran. Uh, Jalen McDaniels. And then, let's look at how many picks Charlotte has, y'all. Let's check that out. They have 16 picks. They've got three 2023 second round picks. They got a first round pick in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, 2029. They've got more than enough to give to the New York, uh, to uh, not New York, to the uh, Utah Jazz. Charlotte is in perfect position to bring a nigga like Donovan Mitchell over to the Hornets. Why why the fuck not? Charlotte has been a play-in out the last two seasons, and they need a move like this to move the needle and to get some asses in those seats because from what I hear, motherfuckers do not go to Hornets games. 
Shit, man. This core that y'all trying to build is not working. And then also, when you give up those players, right? When you give up those players, who's left over? Well, you still have LaMelo Ball, Mark Williams, Kai Jones, JT Thor, Bryce McGowans. All they have to really do, for real, for real, is just sign minimum level exceptions. I mean, there's still multiple free agents that they can sign if they do this deal. I think Charlotte is in a, is in a good position just like New York is to get Mitchell. New York and Charlotte have what the Jazz need. But I think Charlotte should be the person to get Donovan Mitchell. Even though the Knicks are trying hard and probably are still like number one. And getting Mitchell. But the Charlotte Hornets would be the perfect team for him. Because Charlotte has the assets to go ahead and get him. I mean, what do you have to lose? Um, Charlotte is looking to reunite with Kimball Walker. Um, they have been in talks with Kimball Walker on him coming back to the Hornets. Why not? What has Kimball got to lose? <laughs> Charlotte's a team that clearly don't give a fuck about anything at this point. I don't see the problem in uh, bringing back Kimball Walker. Not at all. Come bringing him off the bench, that would be great for them. And then they are also talking about bringing back Isaiah Thomas. That would be a huge move. That would be a major move if they brought back Isaiah Thomas. Because he was very um, solid for those guys last year. Very solid. The Atlanta Hawks has requested waivers on guard Sharif Cooper. Wow. The move came after Cooper only managed to average 4.4 points and 4.2 assists. In five games on Atlanta's Summer League team. Ouch. I had high hopes from uh, Sharif Cooper. Um, he, I think he, uh, didn't he play for LSU, if I'm not mistaken, with Cam Thomas? Oh, he played for Auburn. My bad. I don't know why I get those two schools mixed up all the time. Even in college football. But um yeah, he Sharif Cooper was released. I had high hopes for him. I thought he was gonna be decent in the NBA. But that's crazy that he a free agent. Um where should he go? I don't know exactly. I mean, in my opinion, I mean the Los Angeles Lakers are a good landing spot. They originally drafted him and traded him. That'd be a good move for them. But damn, I ain't know he only averaged four and four in the summer league, though. He's not, he wasn't scoring. Well, he wasn't necessarily known for like 
being a bucket. He was known for being a true point guard. That's what he was more so known for, more than anything, was playing the, the, the point. Pushing the point. Pushing feet. Oh, boy. Podcast, podcast, green. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Draymond Green, a.k.a. Podcast, says that the 98 Bulls would lose to the 17, the 2017 Warriors. And he and he said that he they would beat the Bulls by a 20-piece every night, and then they would beat the 98 Jazz by 40 points. Now, that's where I had to stop him there. Now, I do agree with Draymond on this front. The 98 Bulls can not beat the 2017 Warriors. Here's why. If you look at the 98 Bulls roster, right? Michael Jordan, this was Michael Jordan last year, and he knew it. This, I mean, they did win 62 games. That's a lot of games to win. That's a lot. I think teams were just in fear of the Chicago Bulls, in my opinion, man. that's mind-blowing. I mean, the 98 Bulls, you know, Scottie Pippen was injured. He wasn't 100% throughout the playoffs and in the finals. So that's an advantage for Golden State right there. That's an advantage for Kevin Durant. Right? Ron Harper was still solid. I think he would have gave Steph problems. But I think Steph would have overcame him. I can see the Warriors beating that team in seven games. I really do. And I felt like the 2017 Warriors were loaded. Jordan at that stage of his career wasn't necessarily as athletic as he once was. Then, who on the, outside of Steve Kerr, like, who on the bench was giving the niggas on the Warriors bench work? Because you gotta look at the, the Warriors bench. He had Sean Livingston, bro. Sean Livingston was a bucket back then. I'm telling y'all. You had JaVale McGee. There's nobody on the Bulls. No center on the Bulls could check JaVale McGee. Right? But I'm just saying, like, gotta look at this roster to understand, right? 
I mean, you had Matt Barnes off the bench, Kevon Looney off the bench, Zaza, David West. I forgot about David West. J David West was a bucket. I just don't think that at the stage of where the 98 Bulls were, I don't think that they could, uh, I mean, even with Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, I don't think they would beat that team. And then, I don't like Dray when Draymond disrespected the Utah Jazz. I hate the Utah Jazz, by the way. But don't act like them niggas wasn't smacking the Lakers every year and getting to the finals. They was beating Houston when the Rockets had Drexler and, and fucking Hakeem and Barkley. The Jazz were beating the, that that team in their conference. They're beating up on uh, Peyton and Kim, beating up on Dallas and Phoenix and all those boys. So stop acting like the Jazz wouldn't take two games off y'all. Now the Warriors would beat them. But this is the thing I was talking about, about disrespect of eras. You know, didn't Draymond say talking about different eras and shit was stupid? Didn't he say that? But then again, you on uh, your little uh, whatever the fuck you was on. Talking about um, era talk is stupid, but you're talking about your team would beat another team from another era. Stop playing, podcast. Stop playing, bro. Yes, I agree with your original statement. But y'all giving the, the Jazz a 40-piece, dog. Stop playing, dog. You are not 40-piece in John Stockton and Carl Malone, bro. Now one of y'all can stop Carl Malone. Not KD. Not David West. Not JaVale McGee. None of y'all stopping Carl Malone. Stop playing. And John Stockton wasn't no slouch. He wasn't. I don't like John Stockton. I felt like Stockton was overrated. But to discredit him altogether would be unfair. Like he wasn't a bucket. This man still has a handful of records, man. Stop playing with those two. They act like Stockton and Malone wasn't contending for 19 years straight, despite them never winning a title. They're a lot more successful than a lot of your favorite players. So saying that you will beat them by 40 every game, hell no. Stop it. And this is what I mean when people, when people disrespect errors because of how Certain people played basketball in that era. I don't think that's fair. These teams had coaches. These teams had strategies. These teams made adjustments. These teams had great players. Great players who deserve respect. All right. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening to uh, King Known Uncensored. Biting. And I'm out of here.